Welcome to the Grace Capital City Podcast. We are a community of Jesus followers located in Washington, D.C., working to see God's kingdom come through worship, family, and justice. For more information about our church, go to gracecapitalcity.com. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Thanks for having me. I was excited to be here for a lot of reasons to be here. I was great at the, at the retreat. Um, however, so I broke out my capital shirt, you know, because yeah, yeah. Um, so, I grew up here and we went to the very first Caps game. We used to go to some semi-pro beer fight that was hockey here in a, and I don't even know where the arena was back in those days, but when the pro team finally came here. And the Caps used to have guaranteed win night. They never won, ever, but they would have guaranteed win night. And if they didn't win, you got tickets to the next game. And we went the whole season. Uh, it was great. And then they started to win, and it wasn't as good. But um, and so I, I was glad to pull out my Caps shirt. Um, in Seattle, we've been in Seattle the last few years. And Seattle, as you know, for those of you that care about hockey, they just got a, a pro team. Um, the Seattle Kraken and so I was excited when they decided to get a hockey team and I told this is how spiritual I am I told my wife Dawn I said man if they get a pro team here I think that means God wants us to be here that is like (laughs) she's like that is disgusting that you even said that (laughs) and then I said and I'm going to go online and I'm going to bid for season tickets and if I get season tickets I know we're going to die here I know I'm positive (laughs) I read it in Jeremiah, put, put down, get a house, get season tickets, marry your kids off, all that. And so, and so I got this shirt, you know, and I don't know if you've seen the logo for the Kraken, the, the name of the team is the Kraken. It's a big giant S with a red eye right in the middle of it, which is cool. I think it's a cool logo. However, last week we were in our, in what we're doing in Tennessee, we were, Don and I were at a a training at our church, and the team came in to, to teach us about spiritual warfare. <laughs> and so I wore, I don't know why, I wore my Seattle Kraken t-shirt. And Donna didn't even pay attention to me, to me um, which I don't know, that's, I don't know, I just thought of that. But anyway, so we got there, we got there, and, she did, and we're sitting at the table, you know, with our staff, and and. The guy gets up and he goes, you know, it's, you know, when you're looking for the demonic in a room, there's a lot of things people just display it, like by what they do and what they wear. And Donna looks at my shirt and she's like, put your name tag over your shirt. Put your name tag over your shirt. I'm like, why? Because she said, it looks like Satan. This big S with a red thing right in the middle of his side. I was the only one with my name tag, like right over the top of this. Anyway... I'm glad to have the capital safe shirt on that's, that's acceptable, doesn't offend anyone, I don't think, um, and I'm glad, to, I'm glad to be back here, and I love this place, and I feel very, I feel very honored to be here with you, and, and then after being able to spend, you know, so many really fascinating hours with the guys here and just to listen to them and wrestle through different stuff and my own journey and all the stuff I'm wrestling through just to be able to come back here but I've, I, I, what I want to do here tonight and I, I've never done this before so I, and I, I want to do it I actually 
I think I have a word for you. I don't do this. I'm telling you, I never do this. I just say whatever I think, and people get upset, and I leave. That's what happens. But this, I, th- I think this is just uniquely for this body. And so, so I'm, I'm honored to do this. I really am. So let me just pray. Lord, thank you for these people, these very unique identities that have collected here from everywhere. And how you knit them together in their mother's womb and they've gone through experiences and trauma and, and things in their life, the things that, that hurt them, things that excited them. And, and, the, and the, all that collection is here, Lord, and they've gathered here. And it's an honor to be with them. And Lord, I think, I think that there's something you want to say to them Lord, tonight, and um, I'm happy to try and communicate that to him. And Lord, would you just, would you just take what's valuable and right of what you want to communicate and put it in their hearts, and the rest of it, they just forget it by the time they leave here. Um, and so, Lord, I give all, give you all the glory, just all the glory to Christ, our King. We're just so grateful to you, Lord, for loving us while we were your enemies. Unbelievable that you loved us before we ever loved you. And the only reason we love you is because you loved us first. Yeah. It's, it's so unfathomable. We're grateful in Christ's name. Amen. So what I want to do is, I, if you got a, access to a Bible, um, I, I want to I look at um, 1 Kings 17. And so I was telling Kip this when we dri- drive in here, and I felt like... Um, Elijah really came to my mind a lot when I, over the weekend, but while I was thinking about you in particular here, this fellowship, where you're located in the country, obviously is super significant. Um, who's in this room is significant. Whether you think you're significant or not, you are. Um, and I, 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 the word in my mind was fire. So when we came in here at the prayer time before the service, Sort of the prophetic word here was about fire. So I was like, wow, must be in line, <laughs> you know, but something's happening. So I was, then I was really excited about it and just fire coming down and that whole idea, you know, which is Elijah. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I want to just walk through this passage. With, I just want to go straight through it. And, um, and let's just observe a couple of things while we're walking through this. this is, Elijah's an incredible human being an incredible person and um, you know we see him later with Jesus it's remarkable Uh, so but where did he come from you know like where is Elijah from he's he's from Tishba it's like he just shows up at this certain time in history and he's just this obscure guy that just here he is and and no one's like where are you? Who, where are you from? Who are you? What are your? What's your resume? What are your qualifications in a city where those are so important? Do you know who I am? You know, kind of thing. Do you know who I am? And my and 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 and, and what I do, like that kind of thing. And so, when God decides that He's going to take on the prophets of Baal and all the evil and and Ahab and Jezebel and all this. Who does he pick? 
A guy, I don't know, is he at the Community College of Prophets? Where is he coming from? He's not Ivy League. He's not. He's like, where did you go to, where's your school of the prophets? Tishba. You probably never heard of it, Tishba. University of Tishba. It's like, you know, like, what, are we going to take you seriously? And so let's, I, I used to teach this to my students, and I would say, how do you go from absolute obscurity in your life to a position where you can say to the leader of the country, I want the entire country here Wednesday, and they all come. What, what if you, and I think you are, are the community, and I think this is Chris's identity, and this is what the Lord spoke to him, he can share it with you over the weekend, but what if you were the ones that were going to lift the head of everyone in this country to look in one direction? What if, why not? Why not? And when we look at Elijah, it's like, well, no one's ever heard of us. Sorry, that's the qualification. And we were talking this weekend, the, the, the house church, we were working with the Uyghur Muslims in China, and, you know, so we were t- taking Han believers and, and working with them to reach out to the Uyghur Muslims, who they, you know, it was a lot of conflict between the two groups. But the house church in China, which is massive, the way they refer to themselves is termites. They're termites, which means they draw no attention to themselves. And they work silently, and people don't know they're there like termites. And what do termites do? They feed and reproduce at a remarkable rate. And so people build these big, giant palaces that, that are, you know, these are the icons of our power. And the termites are just in there breaking that whole thing down. Nida, you're sleeping. Look at what we have built. Look at, what we, look at the monuments to us. And the termites are taking the whole thing down quietly and reproducing and growing and growing. And one day the whole thing crumbles and the termites win. The term, think how different that is than how we try and operate. We want to be known. We want to make noise. We want people to see us. I don't know if that's a good strategy. Why not go silent? Like the best teams are in and out of places and no one even knows they were there except they see the result. Who was that? We don't know. But look what happened. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's the way to think about it. Why keep attracting attention to yourself? It just lets the enemy zero right in on you and make you fall. And he's really good at making famous people go down. Yeah. Really well-known, spiritual, famous people. Because there, there's so much attention is on them. But termites are hard to find. You gotta have an expert looking for them. And so think about that. So here's here's Elijah. Let's just go. First Kings 17. Now Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishba in Gilead, said to Ahab, Where did this guy come from? So for some reason, Elijah has has the strategy, he has this strategy that what he's going to do is go to Ahab and he's going to make a statement to Ahab, a pretty bold statement. This is his strategy. And I guess we have to kind of think maybe God gave him this idea. Let's assume that. He's a prophet. And so God's like, hey, 
Elijah, I gotta, I, I want, there's something I'm inviting you into. This is important. It's not about you coming up with stuff to do because then it's on you. It's about God inviting you into something. Because when he invites you into it, then it, he's the one responsible. Yeah. Right? Faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. Like, did he invite it? That's a great, did God invite us into this thing that we're trying to do? One of the great prayers we pray with people all the time, our people, myself, is God, what are all the things we're doing for you that you never invited us into? Boy, it shuts down a lot of what you're doing. Yeah, by the way, I didn't invite you guys into this, just so you know. I'm like, oh, who invited us? I think you invited yourself. <laughs> so that's a good question. So, but let's assume because that God has invited Elijah into this process. It's not a mission. It's a process. Who's going to benefit from it? Everyone involved. But Elijah is going to benefit from this, what's going to happen to him. But so is everyone around him. It's really fascinating to watch. And so Elijah's praying. We don't know because we're talking about hearing from the Lord all weekend and God communicating identity and vision to us. And so we're limited to these words. But watch how many times the idea of direct communication is going on here. Words like said, word, heard, like that, those, it's very important to God that, that he's communicating to you and you're responding back to him. In fact, the Hebrew word obey means to hear and respond appropriately. That's what obey means. It doesn't mean follow rules. It means to hear and respond appropriately. To what? To what God is inviting you into. It's so much more beautiful than are you following the rules? Are you following the program? No, I heard and I'm responding appropriately to what God said. I got a word. I'm running off a cliff. Like, it's just like, here we go. Thanks, God. Here we go. No, appropriately. Watch how appropriately Elijah responds to what God says. Not too much and not too little. Balanced, but brave. Oh, my goodness. Courageous. So God invites him. Here's what I want you to do, Elijah. I want you to go to Ahab. That's a scary invitation. I want you to go directly to him and his lovely bride. I want you to go there. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to say one thing to him. Here's the thing I want you to say. Can you do that? Elijah's like, okay, so far this is not that hard. It's scary, but it's not that hard. And then once you say it, I want you to run away. <laughs> That's, this is level one. So he repeats it. Let me, I'm gonna, okay, I'm going to go to Ahab. I'm going to say th these words, yes, and then run away. Yes. Run away, and when you run away, I want you to run to this particular location. And when you get there, I want you to lay down there and drink from the brook, and I will send birds to feed you. That's the plan. See, now we make these guys magic and special. They're not humans. But if I was a, you know, if he was a human guy listening to this plan, wouldn't you have a couple of questions? I'd have a lot of questions. But, but my big one would be, you're going to get birds to feed me? Really? Oh, yeah. Okay, so 
for, so Elijah now has a picture in his mind. He has a picture in his mind of how this is going to go. If he trusts God. And so the picture in his mind is called faith. Faith is the substance of things you hope for. It's the evidence of things you haven't seen yet. Here's what Elijah hopes. I hope this works. I hope birds actually will feed me. The brook thing I get, that makes sense. The bird part? I hope that works. Faith. That's faith. And without that, it's impossible to please God. All you're doing is going, wow, I hope that works. Because I haven't seen it yet, but I, I'm, I'm going to go do it. Beautiful. Well done. Faithful servant. How much does it take? A tiny little, I hope that works. But I, here's, I'm going to hear and respond appropriately. And here's a man of faith going into action. So, so here we go. So we get to come in. Here he is. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishba and Gilead said to Ahab, so he's made it. He's there. Here he is. I don't know how he got to Ahab, but it's awesome. He's in front of him. As the Lord God of Israel lives, as the Lord, so he's identifying who is the sender. Who has invited you into this? As the Lord God of Israel lives, the living, the alive one. Right? And this is English, so it isn't what he says. But it's close, all right? He's not saying, even saying God, right? He's saying something, Yahweh. As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand. Wow, well, that's a statement right there. Not only does he live, not only is he the, is he the God of, of all, I stand before him. Like, I know him. Like, I didn't hear this in a podcast. Like, I was with that God. There, there will be neither dew nor rain these years. Listen to the boldness of the statement. Except at my word. Not, it's, it, it's fascinating to me. Except at my word. Somehow God has given Elijah permission to represent him at the level of weather. And God's like, tell him it's not going to rain until you say it. And Elijah's like, until I say it? Yeah. That'll really blow him away. And, but it's like a dad with a son. Son, you say it. You do it. Tell him you're the one. In, in, in Indonesian, they say, Wakil Allah. He's the representative of God. Who is you are. At my word, wow, I just can see God going, Wait a minute, wait a say that. Don't you, don't you, he honors Elijah. You have power. Your word has power. Why? Because I've dispensed myself into you. You now have it. So he says, except by my word. And then the word of the Lord. Look at that. Look at the word. Now the word of the Lord. Now we're back up here. Elijah's down here with his word. Now the word of the Lord came to him, depart from here, and turn eastward, and hide yourself. Really? No, just stand up there. and No, go hide. Go hide. 
<laughs> well said. Go hide now, now. <laughs> hide yourself by the brook at Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the book, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Right? So he goes. So he went. Obedience. And did according to the word of the Lord. The word in his personal relationship of the Lord. And he went and he lived by the brook that is east of Jordan. And guess what? He's laying there and it's like, oh my gosh, here come birds. Uh, that's not them. Those were robins. It's ravens, I think he said. Ra and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. Not only do they come, they come twice. And he drank from the brook. And so he's in this amazing, God gave me a vision. He gave me a calling. It was scary. But it wasn't that hard. But it was scary. And I did it. And I ran. And I hid. And I laid down. And it was just like he said. And isn't that amazing? Haven't you had that happen? God's like, hey, I'm inviting you into this. You go do it. It's like, wow. Wow. Except it ended. It stopped. So level one, just do what I told you to do and go over there and I'll take care of you. So you move to D.C. and everything's fine and it's all awesome. And you got a job that feeds you morning and evening. <laughs> and you're drinking from the bar or the brook or wherever you're at. <laughs> and it's great. Except one day, the brook dries up. This is a crucial, crucial lesson for our friend Elijah on his journey to the top of the mountain. Like, you don't just get there. You don't just get there. You have to learn. Jesus learned obedience to hear and respond appropriately through what he suffered. He wasn't magic. It wasn't like that. It was a journey from here to there. How do you get from here to there? And so now he wakes up. He goes down to the brook dry. Your job's gone. The person rejected you. But I thought God told me to enter this. Yep, he did. Now it's over. Dried up. What are you going to do now? So Elijah's in a bit of a theological crisis now. Wait a second. I'm, pretty, I'm convinced God told me to get to here. And it was good. And now I wake up Monday and suddenly the brook is dry. What do we do? He has to get this lesson. He has to understand what happens when that brook grows dry. He has three options. You always have three options when God invites you into something and that something goes dry on you. And I'm telling you, we've been doing this a lot of years and it goes dry. It will. He has three options. Option number one, I am never doing this again. I am never giving God that level of intimacy into my life ever again. I'll, I'll listen to him. I'll sing praise songs. 
I'll memorize scripture, I'll disciple people, but he is never coming in that deep again and, and talking to me at that level ever again. And lots of people do that. Why? Because he let me down. He led me astray. That's one option. He's free to choose. It's not a great option. It's not a smart option, but it is an option. Because if he says, I'm never doing this again, his journey ends right there. It's over. But he has another option. Here's option number two. He can, wake up, he can walk up to the brook and go, I know there was water there once. So I'm going to dig. I'm going to dig in that dry bed every day. God, you brought me here. I'm going to dig and I'm going to try harder. I'm going to witness to everyone that walks past me. I'm going to disciple more people. I'm going to listen to more podcasts and I will make that water come again. I will do it. I will redouble my effort and commitment to the one who brought me here. And guess what happens? Bitter. Religious, religious, legalistic, and I don't, I'm not going to listen to anybody. And some joyful person comes along, hmm, there must be a syncretist. <laughs> what? You can't be that happy. That's not true. That's not real. That's, that's another option. Try harder, try harder. Frustrating. Option number three. Ask God, what do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do? Because the brook drying up is a beautiful sign to ask God a question. <laughs> so it dries up. So the Lord's. Then the word of the Lord came. Here it comes. Because the brook's dry. You're like, what? What? What do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? That relationship didn't work out. What do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? Stay in that tight relationship. Keep listening. Don't try harder. Learn to receive. Receive. This whole is about receiving. Watch every person in it. Watch the people that won't receive. Watch the people that will receive. Just watch. Watch these people and watch these people. Watch what happens. The word of the Lord came to him, arise and go. Good, because this thing ain't working anymore. The Lord's like, I know, I kind of have this timed out. You know, there's kind of a timing to this thing. Just stay with me. Don't quit. Don't try harder. Don't say no more. And so the word of the Lord comes to him, arise, go to, to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Why does Elijah able to believe that God can make a widow feed him? How is he able to believe that? Because he heard a podcast on how to trust God? How, how does he know? Because he's already experienced it. He experienced it. Not that person. Not that place. He has. In his own little walk with God. Can a widow feed me? Dude, birds can feed you. That's his testimony. How did you have the faith to know that a widow would feed you? The ravens taught me. <laughs> how did you have the, how, how did you know to go over That one I just trusted on. <laughs> but once I trusted, it grew. 
Once I stepped out in faith, it was easier the next time. But this is a different level now because at this level, it's not Elijah hiding by himself, trusting God to meet all of his needs. He's learned God does that. Now he has to give that faith away to someone else that doesn't know that. Right? And so... Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. I just, I don't know. If I was Elijah, I'd be like, perfect, rich widow. Boom, I'm going to the city. He probably has an idea. It's probably some wealthy widow, you know, with a big trust fund um, and inheritance, and she's going to feed me. We did the bird thing. We got through it. Now we're going to the easy street, right? And he, gets, he finds the widow. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there. There she is. Okay, good. Um, Gathering sticks. That's a little disconcerting. And he called to her. and Like, you don't have someone gathering sticks for you? Oh, okay, you're not right in the economic level I thought you would be at. Okay, all right, that's okay. So he says to her, he calls to her and says, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, And bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, listen to this statement. As the Lord, your God, be my God, as the Lord, your God, lives, I have nothing. I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, I want, you to, I want to ask a question about this woman. What's the goal of her life? She's going to say her life goal currently. That I may die. Her life goal, her next goal in her life is to die. Why are you here? To die. That I may die, that I may eat it and die. But who else is going to die with me? The next generation. They're going to die too. We're going to, I'm going to die and they're going to die. We're all going to die. Because there's not enough. Come on, Elijah's like, bummer. <laughs> like, like, you're supposed to feed me. <laughs> and your guy's plan is death. Boy, do they need a little... I'm asking a question. What is the goal of Washington, D.C.? <laughs> To live alive and free. No, just to self-protect until we die. Just to protect my own until I'm out of here. What about the next generation? They'll probably die too. Who's going to change that? You are. You. So Elijah says, and Elijah said to her, look what the first thing he tells her. Look at the first thing he says to her. What does he say to her? Don't be afraid. Most of our decision-making is based in fear. Most of our decision-making is based in fear. Elijah, the very first thing he says to her is, listen, don't be afraid. Because fearful people can't trust. They can't create. They just give up. Don't be afraid. And do what, do what you said you were going to do, but don't do it with fear. Do what you're going to say, but first make me a little cake, 
out of it. Bring it to me and make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. You know what he's doing? He's sharing his faith. He's sharing his, this is sharing your faith. This is not evangelism explosion. This is actual Monday morning with people who think the whole thing's gonna go down the drain and you're saying, don't be afraid, we're gonna live. That is shit. I'm taking what I've learned from laying next to a brook watching God send ravens, that little bit of experiential faith, experiential faith, not intellectual faith, experiential faith. And I'm asking, I'm going to share it with you so that you won't die. If you will share your food with me so you won't die and your son won't die. Let's share. I will give you my faith. And when you do it, when you step and you think, God, I wish, I hope this works out. That's it. Now you have it. We were planning on dying. Now we think we might live another day. Faith is the substance of things you hope for. Good first step in faith. The evidence of things we haven't yet seen. I'm telling you, you're going to see it. Do it. Step. Make it. And then she hears and responds appropriately. She obeys. And she takes his faith. This is, this is all we're, we're witnesses to the to the, what we've experienced in Jesus and we're sharing it with people who don't know it. And the jar of flour was not spent. And she and her household ate for many days and the jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. It's God and Elijah talking back and forth to each other, talking to people, God dispensing into Elijah, Elijah dispensing out into this unimportant widow and her son, this insignificant widow and her son. He's a termite. She's a termite. uh Uh-oh, the termites are starting to multiply. Ahab doesn't know, Jezebel doesn't know what's happening. Great, everything's great now, except God's not going to let Elijah stay at that level. Great, Elijah, beautiful. Oh, the widow's blessed, her son's blessed, you're blessed, we're all blessed. Except, level three, here it comes. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. Uh Uh-oh. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, Elijah, what have you against me? Wow, what a turn. What have you against me? Oh, man of God, sarcastically, wink, wink. Oh, man of God. Now she, the man of God, it was a trick. It was a trick. You have something against me. Now I know how... You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son, O man of God. 
You, you, you've drawn the attention of God to me and God now is going to bring my sin in front of me and he's going to kill my son because God is wrathful and he's angry and he's looking for the sin in the people. Oh, man of God. Elijah's like, hmm, what is he going to do? What has he learned so far? And he said to her, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and he carried him up into the upper chamber. He doesn't try and refute her. He doesn't do an apologetic or a polemic with her. He says, give me, the, give me the, your son. Let me, ha- let me have your pain. Give, me, give it to me. Let me have it. He takes it. He takes it to the chamber where he lies and he laid him on his own bed. And what does he do? He cries out to the Lord. Always going back to God saying, what do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do? Always. Don't just try and figure it out. What do you want me to know? And he cried out to the Lord, oh Lord my God. He's asking a theological question. Have you brought calamity? Are you the God that brings calamity? Or did you bring calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Because, like, if that's who you are, it doesn't seem like you're the way maker, miracle worker. And I need to know what happens when this kind of tragedy strikes. But not by reading it in a book, by walking through it. Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried out to the Lord. Listen to this language. Oh Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord, you see the word there? Listened to him. Not only does Elijah listen to the Lord, the Lord listens to him. What an honor. The Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the child came into him again. He revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him, a very beautiful Hebrew word there, delivered him to his mother. And Elijah, think of Elijah, takes the kid up there, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What happened? What are you doing? Do you kill people? Do you kill innocent people? Like, how do I look when, you, when I come here and now they're dead? Can, can you bring this back? Can you reverse death? Can you do that? Sure, you can do the raven thing. You, and you can make her food increase and multiply. What do you do with dead? I know what you do with dry You move us, but what do you do with dead? I give life. That's lesson three. (laughs) I give life. And so Elijah, he's he's like experiencing them himself. What's he going to do? Share it with her. Share it with her. I I wish I could see his face. Look! (laughs) He's up there going, God, it's over, it's over. And then now he's like, look at this! See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know experientially. 
Now I know, experiencing that you are a man of God. Not because of your book, not because of your sermon, but because of your experiential part, relationship in my world. You brought life to my dead world. And it's only Tuesday. And it's in the office. And it's on Capitol Hill. And it's, it's like, it's wherever. Now I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord is where? In your mouth. I know now. That's awesome. Elijah's moving up through these experiential encounters, not just between him and God, between him and God and the other. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love the other in the same way that you've learned to love what God made when he made you. Does God love Elijah? Elijah knows he does. Elijah is growing in his understanding of God. But now he realizes God loves the other also. It's never just for you. It's never just for you. It's for you to give away. And God will not let you hide in a housing development in a gated community and drink yourself into oblivion on your own because you know God. He will say, let's go, give it away. Let's go, give it away. 18, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send the rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Watch this interchange here. This is like, this is the next, so Elijah's learning by himself. Now he's learning with the widow and her son, okay? Now he's going to go interact with another kind of person who works on Capitol Hill. That's where he's going. A very powerful person on Capitol Hill who is a believer, but very different than Elijah. So here we go. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, here he is, here's our guy, called Obadiah, who was over the household. He's a powerful guy. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. He's a Christian on Capitol Hill. He's working in the executive office. And he's a Christian. And he's a good man. And he's a brave man. Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel cut off the prophets, when she killed the prophets... Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. That is brave. That is brave. He is brave. And Ahab said to Obadiah, and he's able to access the king himself. A believer able to access the king. God has this person there. And he's protecting the prophets by hiding him in caves. And Ahab said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we might find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them to pass through. And Ahab went to one direction by himself. And Obadiah goes in the other direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on his way, behold, Elijah. (laughs) Who are you? The guy from Tishba. (laughs) That guy. And, and Elijah, but now Elijah is well known. 
He's becoming known. And as Obadiah was on his way, behold, Elijah met him, and Obadiah recognized him and fell down on his face and said, Is it you, my lord, Elijah? Are, Are you that guy? And he answered his, It is I. Yes. Go tell your lord, Elijah says, Go tell your lord, go tell Ahab, Behold, Elijah is here. And he said, Look what Obadiah says. How have I sinned? What have I done wrong? What now? What? I'm just telling you to go tell, go tell Ahab I'm here. What have I done wrong? How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill him, to kill me? What? Wait, you live with Ahab. You're a believer. You live with Ahab. You've risked your life to hide these prophets. Suddenly, you're afraid to go to him and tell him that Elijah's here and that, he, that he, you're going to get killed by him? What happened? As the Lord your God lives, who's God? Not Obadiah's God, Elijah's God. As the Lord your God lives, it's not my God wouldn't tell me to go do this. Your God, it must be your God. My God's about being me being safe. I don't know who your God is because your God's going to get me killed. He said, as the Lord your God lives, there's no nation or kingdom where my Lord, who is Ahab now, has not sent to seek you. And when they would say he is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or the nation that they had not found you. And now you're telling me, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. Listen to Obadiah's uh, theology. As soon as I have gone from here gone from you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I don't know. And when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. This is my theology, that I'm going to risk my life for something that you're telling me God says, but when I go away, God's going to move you and leave me in the lurch. So Obadiah is a brave man. He fears God, but only to a certain level, beyond which he will not go. He needs Elijah to come, push the envelope. He will kill me, although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Here's the self-protection speech and the self-promotion speech. Has it not been told my Lord what I did? When Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in caves, and I fed them with bread and water. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he will kill me. After all I've done for God, he's gonna, you're going to get me killed by God. It's like, so, so what's Obadiah's strategy in his place of influence with Ahab? What's his strategy? survival not advance survival let's get caves let's hide into it and hope to god the rapture happens or hope to god ahab dies somehow but let's protect what we have left and let's keep our mouths shut why because they will kill us and aren't we brave and aren't we brave and elijah's strategy is let's go to the top and take the whole thing on Let's don't try and survive weather it. Let's don't figure out how to cope with it. Let's don't hide in caves with the other believers. Let's take it on. Let's go up and take the whole thing on. 
Obadiah, lift up your eyes, my friend. Look up. How many of our great people are in survival mode in places of influence? Just protecting their position. Because I'm a believer and I'm in this very influential place. Are you, are you taking on the evil? No. Why? I will lose my job. Like that, Obadiah is a good man. He's a courageous man. But he can only, he's only at survival coping level. Hiding level. And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will... I will show myself to Ahab. Don't be afraid. I'll do. I'll show him. I'm not knowing. God's not going to trick you. God's not taking advantage of you. I will show myself to him. So Obadiah, to his credit, went to meet Ahab and told him, Elijah's here. And he wasn't killed. And the Lord didn't trick him. And Obadiah learned a lesson too. From who? From the one who shared their faith with him. Elijah is sharing his faith with a fellow believer to move him to the next level with God. A good man. A good man. But he's stuck. He's stuck. He's afraid. I'll go with you this far, Lord, but no farther. And Elijah says, let's go. In fact, I'll go. Just come with me. Sharing his faith. You want to be in Elijah's discipleship program? Wow. When Ahab saw Elijah and Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? That's a false identity. That's a, that's a curse. You troubler of Israel. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather, here he goes, all of Israel to, a mount, to Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Bring all, everybody to the mountain and we will deal with this now. And Obadiah's like, go get him. Good. And the widow's like, the God this guy serves can raise the dead. Not only can he feed you, he can raise the dead. If Elijah doesn't get this lesson first, my God shall supply all your needs. If he doesn't get that lesson first, none of this happens. My God shall supply all your needs. Do you believe that? No. Okay, here we go. Keep working on it. Okay, no, I do believe you'll supply all my needs. Good, because now this person needs to believe that God will supply all their needs. Let's go. You ready to go share that with someone else? What if you don't do it? Okay, we'll do it again. Ready? Get back. Here we go. Ready? Ready to go try? And then you, 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 you witness, and God moves. Do you get that? Do you get that God impacts other people with your witness, with your experience? Yeah, you are my witnesses. You are my witnesses in the world to people whose goal in life is to die, whose people, who, believers whose goal in life is only to survive. You are my witnesses that I can take care of you. I can raise the dead. Let's go take out the evil. Let's go. We, these people don't believe it can be done. The believers don't think it can be done. We just need one group to do it. So then, you know, he goes up on the mountain and that's all going on and that whole thing. And I like it. Elijah says to the people, to people, come near to me. He calls the people of Israel. He says, come near to me. 
And all the people came near to him. This is verse 30. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. The very first thing he does is reestablishes the altar to the, to the one true God. He tells the people, people of the United States, come near to us because we are going to repair the altar to God that has been torn down. We're going to do it, but we're going to do it all together. But we're going to be up there first. And they, and they do that. And it's 30, verse 36. And at the time of the offering, the oblation, Elijah the prophet said, came near and said, listen to this, how he talks to the Lord. Oh, Lord. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your invitation. Not for me, not so I can build some empire, some amazing megachurch to myself at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then fire from the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their face and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Why? Because you went up on the mountain. You did. And they got to watch you share your faith with them. If we had a lot of time, which we don't, what happens to Elijah when he does all that? He gets scared. He gets scared. Because Jezebel's not impressed. She's like, I'm not afraid of him. I'll tell, tell, tell Elijah... Um, that I'll have him quartered. And so, what does Elijah do? And I'm just going to get, I want to make sure we get to this. Then Jael sent a message to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life the life of one of like them by the prophets of Baal that were murdered by tomorrow. Then he was afraid. Elijah was afraid. And he ran to Beersheba. And then he went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and sat down under a broom and he asked the Lord that he might die. Who's he acting like? The widow. He's doing it. He asked the Lord that he might die saying, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am no better than my father's. Here's the thing about this journey. The enemy never gives up. The enemy's not afraid of the big show. The enemy will be right back there Monday. And Elijah's susceptible to it because it didn't quite go the way he thought it would. It went well, but not completely well. That I may die. And listen, that after my, for I am no better than my father's. And he laid down and he slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. God's right there, right with him. Touches him, get up and eat. Shh, get up. Shh. Now he's at a men's retreat. Rise and eat. Just shh. And he looked and beheld there was at his head a cake baked. What is God doing? He's doing the lesson again. Oh, Elijah, man, that was so incredible. Why? Why did, what happened? Why did you give up? What happened? It didn't go the way it was supposed to go. And now I am afraid. Okay, ready? Let me do it. Let's do it again. Go lay down. Go lay down. 
and not ravens, an angel. It's going to just come and feed you. Let's remember what happened. Let's go back and remember what happened. It's Peter on the second catch of fish after he's denied and left Jesus. And Jesus is looking at him the second time. Let's do the fish thing again, Peter. Shall we? Did you catch anything? No? On the other side? Oh? And then John goes, I think that's the Lord. And Peter doesn't go, oh, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Like the first time he had to learn that lesson, he jumps in the water and he runs to Jesus. I'm not, I, I, when you fall, you're falling way up here now. It's a different day. And now the angel comes and feeds him. And he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came to him a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank. And when he had strengthened that for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, to the mount of God, there he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him still in his fear. Still right there reminding him, we're not done. Don't give up. I'm always with you. God is for you. Jesus is with you. The Spirit is in you. God is for you. Jesus is with you. The Spirit is in you always. Nothing changes. No matter what they say. No matter how they threaten. For I have, and then Elijah says, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophet the sword. And I, even I, am the only one left. Not, he's confessing. Here's what I believe, Lord. I'm all alone in this. I'm all alone in this. Nobody cares. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And the Lord passed by in a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke the pieces. And God shows this big power encounter. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the earthquake or the fire. He's not in the big show. He can do it. It's not where he is. And after the fire, the sound of the low whisper. The Monday morning. Early in the morning, the low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him that said, listen to this question. What are you doing here? Why are you here? It's a question of identity and destiny. Why are you here? Why did, why, what are you doing out here? And he, he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord and the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant and throw down the altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only I am left, and they seek my life to take it away. That's his confession. He's truth-telling what he believes the situation really is. And repentance is God telling you the situation and what it really is. And it transforms us. I am the only one that works in my office. I'm the only one that tries anything here. And they're going to fire me. And I'm going to lose my job. And the Lord said to him, Go, return your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hezael, the king of Syria. What's he doing? Lord, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? It's like, we're going. Here we go. Keep going. We're going. We're not done. Keep going. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hezel, king of Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha. The son of Shaphat, shall, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. You are done, my friend. Well done. Your identity did what it's supposed to do. Well done. It's not over. You didn't lose. You did exactly what you're supposed to do. Why now believe the lie? 
And then the one who escapes from the sword of Ahaziel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. And here's the truth, my friend, Elijah, you are not the only one. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, 7,000 termites. All the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. There are many still. And they will rise because of you. And they will be energized because of what you did, Elijah. Well done. Well done. You're in a process. Not only this collectively, but individually, you're in a process. Where are you in this process? We could chart our whole lives in this process. Did the brook dry up on you? Are you in a good place? Did the brook dry up on you? Is God inviting you to witness to another that the goal of their life is to die? Is he inviting you into that? Have you done that, but it didn't work? Have you done that and something went wrong and he's inviting to you? What do you do after that? Is he inviting you to go up on the hill and call the whole place here? That's where you guys are going. Have you tried something magnificent and it was amazing and then it fell apart on you and you were depressed and discouraged and you're like, just kill me. Because no one cares, no one listens. A guy said to me last week, what do you do when no one will follow? Then you and Jesus go together. But don't tell me how many are left. Don't tell God what's going on. Ask him what's going on. Listen to what he says. And be who he made you to be. Why are you here? Why are you? That question. I just want to, well, I'm going to pray right now. I just want to pray. You can walk back through this passage. I, I just encourage you to go back through. Where are we in this process? Are we activating Obadiah's? Let's, let's listen to the word of the Lord. The spirit of God within you. The spirit of God's role in our lives is to, is to critique and energize. To critique and energize. To critique the false that we've believed. And to energize us into what's true. So, Lord, we thank you. This amazing passage. It's almost the story of every life. So, Lord, would you search us and know us right now? Would you search us and know us right? James says Elijah was a man just like us. He was a man just like us. Look what this man did. We see him struggle and we see you be with him the whole way. These magnificent things he can do and the times he fails, you're right there doing the same, feeding, resting, challenging him, critiquing and energizing, critiquing and energizing. So, Lord, would you search us right now? Lord, where am I in this journey? Because we know where this journey's going. This journey is going to the top of the mountain where we can call people to us and set them free because of what we've experienced with you, Lord, in our own lives that we can speak about with authority because you have shown yourself in our own lives on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday when no one is looking. And you're, and you're preparing us, Lord, for this. Will you just show me where I am in this process? And then, Lord, will you call me forward? Will you call me forward? And, Lord, I pray blessing and anointing down on this body. I pray blessing and anointing down on this body. 
that, Lord, they would pursue you up the mountain, that they would pursue you up the mountain to where, where the whole country would look this way because they are calling out to the whole land, saying, come, let's reestablish the altar to the one true God, the temple of the true God. It's here. And Lord, would you bring the nations to them here in this city? The nations are here. Would you bring them in? Lord, would you liberate them in this place? Would these men and women here share their faith with those that don't have it, that are dying? May they, with power and authority, because they've seen it themselves, share their faith with others. And Lord, would you just cause transformation to happen in this city? That they would know who they are and they would know where they're going. And I bless them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.